You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. everybody it's episode 247 of the pimp cron warhammer podcast and we're brought to you today today by our beautiful sexy good smelling patreon patrons you can join us at patreon.com slash and of course gamemat.eu for pre-painted resin terrain neoprene mats stl files the whole shebang of terrain and if you don't want the stl files and you don't like pre-painted resin and you don't like neoprene mats you know who you can go to panhandle3d.etsy.com so you can go to because they will 3D print your terrain out for you and then you can paint it. Now also they have uh, customizable tumblers and dice trays and all that stuff too. So go check them out. It's um PH3D15 off for 15% off your order there. And it's event 10 at uh, gamemat.eu. So what are we talking about tonight? Well, this is a topic that has made the rounds for probably decades and it should gw make pre-painted models and uh we dive into the pros and cons of them doing that whether or not we think they should or they should not we also have an email from rachel who asks me to help her decide the paint scheme for her stormcast and we discuss all the different types of ways that you can creatively come up with a new paint scheme that might appeal to you then we're also covering not one not two but like seven in the want that or want that not the um made-to-order seraphim boxes of the old stuff, whether or not that's worth your time and money. So what have I been up to? Well, remember how I had a couple nerd rabbit holes and all that that I went over last week? Well, I had another weird thing. Um, it's, it is going to be kind of macabre, okay? Some of you might be, like, weirded out by this or whatever, but I was in a consignment shop yesterday with my two youngest girls and my mom, and uh, we like going to the flea market that's at that same location. So you go to the flea market and walk around. Then we go to the consignment shop. Consignment shop all the way in the back has the strangest thing I've ever seen in a consignment shop. Uh, a baby coffin. And no, I'm not talking about a Halloween decoration or something like that. They had a legitimate real life baby coffin. A coffin for a baby for $250 in the back of the store. And I'm like, that is such a weird thing to be selling in a consignment shop. But anyway, I've got many questions about this because my mom's like, oh, you got to open it. You you got to open this. So I did. I opened it. And there was a corp. No, there was no corpse. Uh, <laughs> so I lifted the lid and there was sand in one corner of it, which is like such a red flag. When it wasn't like full of sand, it was like a handful. It was like a handful of sand in the corner of this baby coffin. And it still had like the cutout for the, the, the body and all of that. It still had like silk and all that, but it had sand inside it. And the, the coffin looked like it had been uh, aged, like not like it had been underground because it would have been way dirtier and it was a white coffin, but it had like um orange staining on the top of it, almost as if it was like in a sitting out in the sun or something of that nature where it's been discolored because it's so old. And that leads me to several questions. Who do you think is just casually shopping for a baby coffin? Because if you need a coffin, a coffin, you usually need it like now, like right now, like two or three days from now. So I don't know who's casually shopping. Mm, maybe my baby might die. And then they just casually shop for one. 
or they're looking for a steal in case they know someone whose baby died. It's just such a weird... And why would you have a baby coffin if you did not also have the included dead baby? Like, and I know this is so, like, weird to talk about, but it's the truth. Why would you... Uh, it's like almost like you thought your baby was going to die, so then you bought the coffin, and then luckily it didn't die. Or maybe, like, it was a vampire and it escaped, or the coffin... I, I don't know. I just don't know. There's so many questions... I've never seen a coffin for sale in a consignment shop. So what have I been up to? Working on the brutality supplement, uh, the settlement mode. Playtesting that with my kids. We started a new family campaign. And uh, we failed our last, our first mission. We had all this overgrowth in our town. And uh, we had to fight all this overgrowth was popping up randomly. And we ended up failing. So we ended up losing one of the buildings of our town because... We failed the mission, which sucks. And I've also been playing Warhammer. I had uh, two games with TJ this uh, Wednesday, and I played my Stormcast versus his uh, Slaves to Darkness. We were playing a narrative game from the book, and we had to tweak some rules and all of that. And by turn two, it was very apparent that my people were clapping. I mean, hitting hard. Um, my sixes... I had a power that my sixes to save the immortal in a you know back to him, and I was rolling sixes like a freaking madman. I mean, I'm not lying to you. I dealt like five mortal wounds back to him when his Manticore attacked my uh, Celestin on a uh, Star Drake. So, and that that was I had a spell that would also give that to another one of my units. So it was it was nasty. We ended up calling it quits at turn two. Then we played just a regular game, and for the life of me, I cannot remember how that turned out. Oh, oh, he he pretty much beat me. If we had one more turn, I would have wiped him off the table, but he beat me by two points, I think. Something like that. We basically ground each other down, and I wasn't mobile enough to get that last objective. So if we would have had another turn, I would have been able to tie it. Anyway, uh, I don't know when I finished this, so I don't know if I mentioned it last week or not, but I finished my Dragon Ball Z Warband. All of my Goku, Vegeta, um, everybody. Cell, Frieza, everybody. It was it was a lot of fun. And now I look forward to playing with them. Um, what else have I been up to? Um, so I've decided that I am going to, with all the Seraphim, you know, nonsense going around with all new Seraphim models and all that, I decided it was time to strip back a lot of my Seraphim that I already owned and I'm going to sell those, and I'm going to just focus on skinks. Skinks and monsters. No Sauruses whatsoever, no Croxagores. Croxagores were always one of my favorites. I have like nine metal Croxagores, but um, James is starting Seraphim, and he's going to do only Croxagores. So what I figured I would do is I'm going to go only skinks. So I'm going to get a bunch of the um, uh, Ripperdactyls and uh, Chameleon skinks, which are now called like Haunchies Hunters. And uh, stuff like that. And I'm, I'm looking forward to being real um, sketchy, I guess. You know, like um, dodgy. I'm being real dodgy on the battlefield and manipulating a lot. So I'm actually really excited about that. And that is yet another one of my armies. Like my Necrons. Like my um, Cast Space Marines. Like my Guard. Uh, like my Orcs. Where I trim them down and just do one thing. Versus trying to have a... Uh, you know, Swiss army knife of all the units for the whole army. Not doing that anymore. So that makes me a lot happier. Anyway, so I ordered some of the Haunchies Hunters and I got some other stuff to buy, but not until I sell my other, my, I have a bunch of old Sauruses and stuff like that. I'm going to keep my, um, Bastiladons and my Stegosaurs or whatever they're called. 
and uh, pretty excited about starting this new leaf for Seraphin. All right, let's get on with the rest of the show, people. Let's open the Tesseract mailbox. Well, this would be the time when we have a Tesseract mailbox, and let's get into it. It's an email from Rachel, and she writes, Hi, Pimkron. Rachel here. You helped out that one guy with the objective markers, so now I will ask you a similar favor. I am struggling with a paint scheme for my Stormcast. I don't want to do the typical gold and blue, and find that there are so many options for viable schemes that I am paralyzed with decision fatigue. Help? Rachel. All right, Rachel. Well, thank you for writing in. I greatly appreciate it. And I love to answer hobby questions similar to what I did for Fergie Ferg and his objective ideas. Um, so there's obviously a million ways you could go with this. Stormcast are um, let's let's plan to their strengths first. Stormcast are just like Space Marines in the way that they have a bunch of smooth surfaces that take contrast paints wonderfully. Um, so there's, um, you could base coat it silver and make a metallic color by contrasting over the silver. Um, you could just do straight colors. You don't have to do metallics for a Stormcast, obviously. Um, so I would consider that if I were you. I, um, I don't know how long you've been listening, but my Stormcast are a purple with gold and white. Now I started mine prior to contrasts being a thing. So mine are actually primed white a double wash of uh, Daruchi Violet. So it was washed, then let dry, and then washed again to give it a darker purple. And then uh, then gold trim and all of that. So that's what I did because I love purple and I love gold, which is a recurring theme for all my armies. Um, now, one trick that I always loved that might help you is if you have a favorite sports team, look at their colors. And a lot of the sports teams have come up with some pretty cool paint schemes like whether you're into American football or baseball or hockey or, or whatever um, I do know that American football has a lot of different neat color schemes like the Miami Dolphins or the um, Baltimore Ravens or any of those um, even the Green Bay Packers although I think it's a little gaudy with the green and yellow but you get what I'm saying you can um, just look at a like a poster or a sheet of all the different color schemes for a um a certain i don't know what you call it league a sport of some sort and a lot of times that can help inspire you for colors that um that go well together and are definitely unique looking and the, probably no one will ever notice if you do Miami Dolphins and it's on a stormcast because the two things are so far removed no one really puts two and two together but especially if you have a favorite team, then look at your favorite team. And if they're not like god awful colors, then I would pick them. Um, another idea would be to pick a color. If you own multiple armies, you this is a very short message, so I don't know how many armies you have or whatever. Um, but if you don't want to go like, oh, your favorite color route, what I often like to do is I look at my other armies that I already have. And then I'm like, okay. I don't want my new army to sound or to sound to look anything like my old armies. So I've got a white and blue. Okay. I've got a gray and black. I've got purple and gold. I've got blue and black. I've got red and gold. I've got, you know, you look through all those and then you're like, okay, well, what color is not represented here? Should I do like a, like an orange or a white or something that I haven't already done? 
and that oftentimes uh, gets me excited about a new paint scheme. Like my Caradron Overlords, I didn't have any blue armies except for my Tyranids, and they're blue and black. So I was like, oh, let me do blue, and then you know what goes really well with blue is yellow, the um, uh, Everland Sunset. So my whole um, Caradron Overlords are yellow and blue with um, with a bronze, and that came out really well. So, um, of course, you know, whatever, like you're doing Stormcast, so I would search up, I'm sure you probably have, color schemes for Stormcast, and there will be a million different ones. Um, but that's basically all the ideas I can give you, is that you look at your favorite sports team, pick your favorite color, pick a color that your other armies aren't, or pick a color that just strikes you. Like, you're looking at the paint rack, or looking at your paints at home, and all of a sudden there's this color, and you're like, man, I bought this color. I bought it so long ago and I've never ever used it. Why don't I just use it? It doesn't matter whether it's a brown or, or anything like you can make whatever work. Um, and if it is a brown, you know, maybe you don't want to do your Stormcast a brown because that's kind of a weird decision. But then you could make it the trim color or you could make it some other aspect of it. Um, some colors obviously are a little harder to make work for a main color, but um Anyway, that that is my solution to you, and hopefully that is helpful. And feel free to write in at pimpcron at gmail.com if you have any questions or suggestions, or facebook.com slash pimpcron, or Instagram at pimcron. And uh, I will see you on the next side of this music break. Want that or want that not? For this Want That or Want That Not, I'm actually not covering a single model. I'm actually covering the whole made-to-order line for Lizardmen. And this is slightly infuriating. So, as you know, all of the recent ridiculous price hikes, yada yada, Games Workshop, very expensive game, etc. Right? You know that whole story. Well, the Slan Star Master is $85 for a pretty chunky model. I mean, he's not like a behemoth or a giant monster or anything like that. But he is a decent size, right? He's much larger. He's probably twice as big as his old model used to be, which I already have his old model. So, okay, $85. I really think it should be more like 50 or 60 but whatever. $85 is whatever. Well, then they've got the Slan Mage Priest on Palanquin, which apparently is a very, very old model. Probably the first Slan Mage Priest model that they ever had. And it's very reminiscent of the Slan Starmaster. And um, it's, of course, the same size as it always was. It's probably on a 40, it's probably on a 50 mil base. It's quite small. And it's being carried by um, four Sauruses with the bone helmets. And um, he's this yeah, pretty cartoony, goofy looking frog on a, on a palanquin. And he's got this little, like, staff or wand. And it's just... It's all very cartoony. It's exactly what you'd be expecting for Warhammer Fantasy Battle 3rd Edition or something. It's, it's very weird looking. Can you imagine what the price point on this very ancient model is? Just give it a guess. 70 points. Uh, 70 dollars. 70. It's a goofy looking model to begin with. One that you can find online on eBay or whatever. It's not going to be some highly sought after model. And the brand new one that looks cool and is much larger is $85. This old one is $70. To me, that is insane. Especially being that probably when this was out, it was like a $15 model is probably it. 
Um, I remember when I first started Warhammer, I'm going to sound like an old person to some of you younger people, um, some characters were $15 still when I first got into Warhammer. Now they were metal, etc., but yeah, 15 bucks. So um, the next thing I wanted to talk about was the Saurus Scar Veteran on Agrodon, right? So they got rid of their um, Seraphim Knights, or the uh, Saurus Knights, and now they're on Agrodons, which are just slightly larger Saurus Knights. That's all it is. And this is the Saurus Scar Veteran on Agrodon, whereas they used to have a Saurus Scar Veteran on uh, Cold One, I guess. I forgot what the steed was called, but... These are just very, very slightly larger. They, now, they do look better. They're not cartoony. They've got a lot of uh, dynamics to them, and the Agrodon looks pretty vicious and all that. So I give you credit for that. This dude is 60 bucks, which I'm like, oh, my God, 60 bucks. That's pretty crazy, actually. But what's even crazier is there is an old made-to-order Saurus old one on Carnosaur. So if, if you guys aren't super familiar with a Carnosaur, they still have a Saurus Cold One on a Carnosaur. And that is the giant, like, uh, Spinosaurus or Tyrannosaurus Rex looking thing with the guy riding on the back. It's giant now. It's this, it's a Carnosaur is what it's called. Now, again, originally this old one, this old blood on a Carnosaur, the classic model was probably 15, 20 bucks when it was brand new. And now it's $60. It's just insane now i know a little bit of that you could say if they're firing up their old molds and doing all that then each model would be a little more expensive because you know they're they're going out of their way to make the old model so a little bit of that you can almost forgive but 60 dollars and actually this carnosaur doesn't look that bad design wise um some of the old models look really goofy this really doesn't i don't think it's bad at all so then you go to some other uh, made-to-order models, and they're all $33.50, and they are a bunch of Skink Star Priests, Skink Chief with Sword and Shield, Skink Chief with Blowpipe, which isn't even an option anymore, I don't believe, um, Skink Chief with Scythe and Shield, which that is also not an option anymore, and then finally the Te Tehenehuan. I, I don't know... He looks like he was probably a games day model is probably what he was. He's on like a 50 millimeter base. It's a, it's a very large base for him. And uh, he's holding up, I think it's treasure or he's holding up a heart. I can't really tell. And uh, he's got like a little diorama going on there. But uh, these things are $33 for these old crappy models. So just, that's just nuts. I mean, I know right now oh, that's the price of the current models. Actually, it, it probably isn't because I think the Starseer... Yeah, the new Starseer is $60. It's just it's just crazy is what it is. These pr prices for made-to-order... And, you know, made-to-order was, a couple years ago, made-to-order was actually significantly cheaper than the regular. And I guess maybe they found out that people are buying the older versions because they're cheaper, but they don't look too bad. But... These are just insane. And there's uh, three of these that three. Yeah, three of these that don't even have current uh, stats for them. I mean, of course, you could use them as a skink chief or whatever, but they don't have stats for specifically what they own or what they have on them. 
Now, these two skink star priests, I actually have two of these classic ones. It's good to know they're going for $33 now because I was thinking about selling them. That is so ridiculous. Anyway, I just wanted to point out that these made-to-order prices have been significantly increased. And I just think it's insane. Especially this slan mage priest, $70 for the... He is honestly, he's the most egregious one. This old slan mage priest, $70 for what is, what is essentially a piece of crap. Like, it's not even a good looking... The Carnosaur was a good looking model. The skink pre... Uh, the skink of... Uh, of uh, chief and the star priest and all that they look okay to varying degrees but this this slan priest on on palanquin is just terrible terrible for 70 dollars. i'd be willing to bet you can buy it for cheaper on ebay anyway so that's a want that not for literally all of this just just literally all of it is a want that not now it's time for real talk with pimp cron Well, it's that time again. It's time for Real Talk with the Pimpcron. And today I wanted to discuss a topic that has made the rounds on the internet for decades at this juncture. Ever since the first pre-painted miniature was on the market for Heroclix back in the late 90s, early 2000s, and then AT43 had pre-painted miniatures, um, I believe the Dungeons & Dragons skirmish game Chainmail, I think it was called, uh, or or some variant of that had pre-painted miniatures there's um, Dungeons and Dragons itself has had pre-painted miniatures since the early 2000s. So it is definitely something that can be done. Now, different quality levels you might find in some of them. Uh, some people notoriously make fun of Heroclix because sometimes you'll have like an eye on an eyebrow or something like that. Sometimes they're way off. Sometimes they're pretty decent. But regardless of the quality and whether or not that's worked out for anybody, do you think Games Workshop will ever, or at least should, offer pre-painted miniatures? So let's think about that for a second. Games Workshop has built an entire industry on putting what is essentially minimal effort into their product. They, they leave it on the sprue, they uh, market it as a hobby in addition to playing, and they encourage you to buy their paints by their clippers, by their everything, so that you can paint it yourself. So right off the bat, I think that they would be losing at least some money, maybe not the majority of money, at least some money if they went to pre pre-painted. And um, there's another issue with the pre-painted as well, is that um, not only would you be losing some people that normally would buy the paints, buy the brushes, buy the spray paint, all that stuff that in, in, it's involved in the hobby. But at their price point that they currently have for unassembled, unpainted miniatures. Okay, so in some cases you're getting 10 models for 60 bucks, right? What on earth do you think they'll charge if they were pre-painted? Like, if you really think about that for a second, Heroclix, they are what... Three dollars, two, three dollars a hero click, and they're fully assembled. They come with the stats on the base, all of that. You know it could be done, but Games Workshop chooses to go with the route of, oh, it's a hobby, assemble it yourself, make it your own, blah blah blah. So we definitely know it could be done and could be done at a reasonable price point. You can't expect people to pay sixty dollars for ten unpainted, unassembled models and then charge even more 
for the painted stuff, because of course they would, right? Naturally, if they started casting single mold models or whatever, or um, actually Heraclix are assembled in a factory, you can tell that. A lot of times you can pop off the arms or whatever, and they're basically arms that go into pegs in the torso. Um, but you can definitely tell that Games Workshop would have to increase the price there. So what's it, a hundred bucks for a pre-painted box? Even though, like I said, the price doesn't have to be that expensive at all. Not one little bit, but Games Workshop chooses for that to be their 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 style. Now, you hear a lot of people say that it would be much easier. I don't know how I'm phrasing this correctly. Um, It would be much easier for new people to join Warhammer if they had pre-painted miniatures. I don't know if that's the case either, because pre-painted miniatures are not a requirement to play the game. There's lots of people that play with unpainted miniatures and lots of veterans as well as new people play with unpainted miniatures. And honestly, like for me, I don't I personally don't like to play with unpainted miniatures, so it spurs me to paint them. I really feel like I would not feel nearly as much attachment to my miniatures if they were pre-painted. And it's kind of like something you can just throw in a box because you didn't spend all the time and care to assemble it and paint it and all of that if it came pre-painted it's kind of more like a toy at that point and you just throw it into a box so like my heroclix i just have them in giant boxes like i don't even they're not in some sort of safety foam or anything like that like my warhammer miniatures are because i painted those warhammer miniatures and they mean a lot more to me um you'd also have to think about what colors they would actually paint their models so I'm certain they would not release a um, behemoth paint scheme for Tyranids and then release the same thing with Leviathan and then release the same thing with Kraken and then release it. you like, I don't think they would do that. I mean, potentially they could, but the number of models in each range at this juncture are so varied and so uh, large in some cases that Think about just the Tyranid line. They might have, I don't even know how many units they have. They've got like 30 units, let's say, in that that army. It might even be more than that. Tyranids have 30 units in that army. So then you're going to make 30 boxes, pre-paint them as Leviathan. And then those 30 boxes, what, you're going to repaint them as Kraken or whatever, and you're going to offer all of those? I 100% say they would never, ever, ever do that. Think about all the Space Marine chapters. Think about all the Orc clans, all of that. There's no way they would go to that length. If they did ever do anything like this, well, I guarantee you they would pick a poster child for all of them. Okay, the Goths. The Goths is the clan that we're going to paint everything. The Ultramarines, the clan we're going to paint everything. Uh, I don't know what the, what Tyranid one. I guess Leviathan is the, is the most popular one, I guess. So they would go Leviathan. And um, all of those things, they, they would end up picking one and then just sell pre-painted miniatures of that type. In my experience with other games that have pre-painted miniatures like Heraclix or cards that are obviously pre-painted, pre-printed like Magic or Pokemon or whatever, people don't have as much of a connection to their miniatures or their cards if they didn't make them. So the Heraclix players truly do just follow the meta. All the Heraclix players I've ever known are very, very competitive. I'm sure there are casuals out there, but I've never seen any. Um... So that makes you feel like they just follow whatever the newest model is, whatever the hotness is, and they really don't care about it. They more or less throw it in a box when it's out of the cycle of whatever's good for Heraclix. And 
while of course you could say Warhammer players do that as well, some Warhammer players do do that. They buy and sell armies like crazy so that they have the new hotness. But you got to admit, it's got a lot more staying power when it spent took you a hundred hours to build and assemble and paint and all of this this army instead of just oh well whatever I just bought it pre painted. It just feels like it would be losing a lot of its soul. I think our connection to our models and all the unique paint schemes. You know, if they did do that thing where they pre-painted the miniatures and they were a certain chapter or whatever, you know, slowly over time, people would get lazier and lazier and even existing players would get lazier. And then eventually everyone's Ultramarines, everyone's Leviathan, everyone's Goths. Like, it's just, it would, it would, I feel like that's the law of, uh, I don't know, be like diminishing returns, the law of entropy or what that would be, but over time, everything gets uh, less disciplined, you know, especially when you're talking about humans. So I really think that, um, A, Games Workshop would lose a ton of money in selling paints and all of that. B, Games Workshop cannot increase these prices any higher. And if they did offer them for Heroclix prices, then nobody would buy the, the kits, arguably. If you could get a Space Marine for $2 pre-painted, not a single soul would go buy, okay, some of you would, but the assembled ones. So they'd be losing money on that as well. Also, they don't have, they put it in so little work right now. They cast the freaking things, they put them in a box and they ship them to you and you gotta do the rest of the work. At a serious premium, by the way. So there's no incentive for them to do that at all. When you talk about new players are, oh, it'd be easy for new players to get into the hobby, that really doesn't have any bearing on that because new players already get into the hobby all the time and they're not pre-painted miniatures. So I don't really see what the big deal is. Something like Push Fit is another gimmick similar to pre-painted where it's like, oh, it's really easy to assemble for new people. Okay, I see that more because you're still supporting the rest of the hobby and it it fits more into that hole, you know, square peg, round hole sort of thing. It's a square peg in a square hole. So I, I understand the push fit stuff, but having pre-painted, I don't think would entice many people, I would say. I think you'd probably end up losing way more money on the lack of painting products that you're selling and all of that for the very fringe demographic of people that do like war games, do like miniature games, do like tabletop games, would like the game, but nah, I'm not doing it because they're not pre-painted. I think that's such a tiny minority that I don't think that would affect their sales in any positive way with the offset of losing so much money from paint. There was rumors going around like, oh man, like a decade ago that, um, you know, Heroclix might license Games Workshop. And I don't I don't know if it was a real worm uh real rumor or if it was something fan made, but people were saying that um Heroclix was gonna do a line like they did Ninja Turtles, they did um Horror Clicks, they did AVP, Alien vs. Predator. Um so they they would they've just recently done Scooby Doo and they would license Warhammer. And I, at the time I was like, there's no way. There is no way they're going to do that, because if it's at all the normal Warhammer scale, it's going to be seriously cutting into GW's uh, prices. So and at the time, uh, Heroclix was kind of smaller, but now Heroclix is even bigger than Games Workshop scale. They're like, uh, I want to say 32, but they might be 40 mil. They're they're much, much larger, whereas they used to be like 25 mil. So once and for all. 
I would like to say on this topic of will GW ever release or should they release pre-painted miniatures, I see absolutely nothing but loss on their part. Loss in revenue, loss in uh, participation, loss in everything if they went to pre-painted, and I just don't foresee it. And honestly, I don't really see any benefits to it. I truly don't see any benefits to being pre-painted except for slight ease of use for the really lazy players. But you know what? They still buy models even if they're not pre-painted. So there's still no reason to be pre-painted. Thank you for listening to the show. I greatly appreciate it. I'll see you next week. And thank you to GameMat.eu for supporting the show, as well as Panhandle3D.etsy.com. And beautiful, sexy, always bangable Patreon Patreon Patreons. Kind of like a Lunchable. They're, because they're all a snack. <laughs>